0: This is Higher Ed Heroes with Dr. Sebastian Kemp and Dr. Alistair Stark. Hi and welcome to
1: Higher Ed Heroes. My name is Seb. And my name's Al. This podcast is about transformative moments in the classroom. We believe these moments when we bring our classrooms to life can
0: often be achieved by making small changes that are easy to adopt. And that is our focus, small things communicated in simple ways by great teachers who know that these practices make a difference to their students. The idea is that you listen to teachers, you reflect on their practices, you think about whether this actually might work for your own students. And because we know that you're very time poor and
1: very busy, we're trying to communicate these small lessons in a jargon-free way, which is why we have the teaching jargon buzzer. which we hit when we hear those buzzwords that might be more at home in a teaching committee or a faculty meeting. So, Seb, shall we introduce this week's guest? Absolutely, El. I think they're already here. So this week we are going to interview my co-conspirator, Sebastian Kempf, who's a senior lecturer in the School of Political Science and International Studies at the University of Queensland. Hello, Seb. Elle. Welcome (laughs) to the podcast. I know. Please be at ease and just relax into it. We're going to treat you very nicely. I know. I'm just relaxing my shoulders here. I've had the pleasure of working with Seb for about a decade now, and I have yet to meet anyone else in higher education who's so passionate about teaching. Listeners will hear that passion in his voice But one of the wonderful things about Seb during these recordings is He comes to life when he hears innovation When he hears examples of exciting teaching methods And it's a real pleasure to watch that And what I'm going to enjoy today, as I grill him (laughs) Is to see whether or not he comes to life when he talks about his own teaching
0: practices I can, I think, only fail from now on (laughs) (laughs) So, first question what is it we're going to talk about today? Thank you. I think we want to talk about
1: Media Lab. So the Media Lab uh, I've, we've spoken about informally off-air for a long time. It's a really exciting and quite different
0: project for you. So what is the Media Lab at a general level? A few years ago I had the wonderful opportunity to design a full new course. Normally, we inherit things here was an opportunity to set something up from scratch and the course uh, is called Global Media War and Peace, and I have for a long time researched in this area i've but I've always had that belief that this course in particular lends itself to add a practical self experiential dimension to how students learn and that was at the heart of it so I applied to do this course and and central in Every topic on this course is a media lab, which is basically a three-hour session where the entire cohort of the course comes together in a collaborative room, big tables, computers everywhere, and we can get our hands dirty. That's the idea. And so the media lab in that course sits at the end of each of the topics we deal with in the course. It always starts with the lecture kicking off the topic. Students then do some readings. They have to do a couple of practical tasks, small tasks. Then we have a tutorial. And then at the end of that topic, we have that three hour media lab. Mm. So we're kind of digging deep practically into some of the things we've been dealing with conceptually. So it's quite conventional in the
1: sense that you set up through typical processes, but then you have this moment, a space which is completely different where you're looking to do things differently and you're teaching differently built on the back of those conventional practices.
0: Yeah, uh, it's not a course that got rid of all the kind of traditional stuff, but it's it's mixing things in. And I wanted to challenge myself in that. And I was really scared at the beginning because I'm a perfectionist. I like to be in control and I had to kind of accept I'm going to test things out. And this became my experimentation course where I thought I have the confidence at least that... If I screw that up big time and drive that course against the wall, I do this once, the university wouldn't bother, mm. right? But I thought, this is the moment to do it. And so I, you know, I designed the course and then <laughs> you, you write the lectures, you prepare for the for the tutes, but then you're like, okay, now we've got our first media lab, what am I going to do? So the first time was obviously trying things out, but maybe maybe I should give an example. Yeah, give us okay? an example of something you do that's a bit different in this space. So I need to explain this in the context of also what happened and lecture and tute and so on to then make sense of what happens in the Media Lab. But take the topic that we have earlier in the course on war and conflict images. So what happens here is in the lecture one of our awesome colleagues Roland Bleicher and I do a lecture with the students on the question of, well, how do we actually make sense of images, images about conflict. And it's a very practical lecture where we talk them through three particular analytical steps that you would have to undertake. So in the lecture, here's step number one. We explain that for 10, 15 minutes. Now, students then are given an image and they all have to write that out for themselves then we talk about the answers how we would answers step two same thing students do it step three so on right very practical lecture but already testing things out now students then go away from the lecture have to do readings on that topic on these methods on how to analyze images And alongside the readings, they have a practical task in preparation for the Media Lab that happens the following week. So what I do is I allocate all my students, in this case, say 90 students, to 90 different newspapers that exist around the world. And I give them a particular day, a day at which they have to go to the website of that newspaper and grab the first image that they see that depicts conflict, capture it, download it, use the caption, translate it, and have to upload that image onto a Padlet site that I share with all of them. Alongside that, they have to write a 500-word analysis of that image that is being marked. They submit this, return it in, I mark that, and they get that mark for it. So now they've actually practically gone through that exercise. That's all what happens before the Media Lab. Now we come to the Media Lab. The entire course is there. What we then do is make students look at the entire data set of these images that they have taken. 90 images taken on the very same day from across the globe. It's a really interesting moment because it doesn't often happen that we can see that. Like what has been most prominently conveyed about conflict, you know, around the world? Mm. I mean, incidentally, this year it was really amazing because the date that we had it was the day at which the Taliban took over Kabul. Mm. So whereas in the past we had images of like maybe five, six different topics that were prominent, now, of course, the entire data set was just Kabul, 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 Taliban, right? That sort of stuff, which was phenomenal in and of itself. Anyway, students now see those images and then we say, okay, you have now become in a way an expert on how to analyze an individual image. What we want to do now in the next three hours is to actually do research and think about this data set of images but we don't want to dictate what it is that you're looking at we want to find out what you want to look at so let's collect questions that we could ask about this data set what would you love to spend the next hours researching about this as teams and so because we have like eight big collaborative tables we try to identify eight topics and then we tell students That's a long process, by the way. And then we tell students, okay, choose the table according to the topic that interests you. Now you're in teams. We give you one and a half hours. Do this. We're going to have got a teaching assistant, a wonderful teaching assistant. We go around. We help them, right? Because students, it's an undergraduate course struggle in, in doing that kind of research. Obviously, it's the kind of first steps that they do. They do this, and then they have to present those findings to the class.
1: Mm. So let's work through that. Let's talk a bit about some of the pressures. The first pressure that I would see would be from the students to actually do it. A lot of the time when you ask students to do things outside of the lecture room for that space, that's something quite different from students, especially undergraduates. You include the assessment mark specifically, and does that overcome the problem of students not
0: Preparing in advance? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because I know that the the Media Lab sitting at the end of a particular topic in the course really tries to bring everything together. And I try to use crowdsourcing as a technique a lot in that course. So I make students do something, produce something, fill something in that is very, very small, but I like to use it and then have the entire course in the Media Lab as a, at the beginning start by re-engaging with that Mm. and i felt this was a really really useful way of doing it because students can relate to what they have done in uh, vis-a-vis what others have been doing but because the media labs kick off with that i'm depending on them producing that Mm. and you know if you can find a valuable way of assessing them i.e do an individual analysis of an image it's not too onerous gets two points it gets the job done it's
1: two marks two marks is enough to get them doing it yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. It's such a low mark, but it, it does the job.
0: Yeah. Mm. And the other thing is that it really excites them to then engage with what it is that they, have, as a course, have produced.
1: Mm. And so th- then they come into the room, and then it must be a moment of excitement when you start to see all those images appear into one
0: moment. That must be a real kind of, moment of learning. It is, and it is really fascinating to see what they come up with as topics. You know, quite often we set we set the questions they have to deal with in essay topics and assignments. I mean, this is not an assignment in a way, but, you know, it's like what they occupy themselves with. And, of course, we sometimes have to help shape those questions. But it's essentially they can live and, and be students on a topic that they have chosen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. choice is the key thing, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you have to do this, but here's eight different topics. Mm-hmm deal with the one that you want to do and then subsequently they can choose to do one of their assessments on taking the research that they started in that media lab and drilling deeper and turning this into another assessment.
1: And do you find this is something that i see as well when you empower students to make those choices and you say okay you have agency now to choose what and how you're going to study that's quite challenging as well that requires a lot of facilitation and encouragement Consistently, That must be a moment that you really need to address as well.
0: Yeah, I try to set the tone from off the beginning in that course, even before the semester starts. In the first email, I send them to say, hey, we're going to start soon. Welcome to the course. This course is unusual mm. for these and these reasons. And it is something I say very clearly I run as an experiment. It depends on you stepping up for you to make the biggest reward reap the biggest rewards from it and by setting that tone that helps but yeah we we the very first media lab we do like very little things very easy things right to kind of ease them into that but they genuinely enjoy that so the feedback I always get there should be more media labs there should be media labs all the time that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff and so on
1: that example of the imagery and the 90 images which is quite amazing 90 newspapers What's the best outcome that comes out of that? What What's that one where you've thought, oh, that was really great? Like, what do you, what do you, what do the students walk away with at the end, in terms of the learning outcome? No, 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 no,
0: no, no. Let's say <laughs> the experience uh, uh, that students have. There's a few. So some of the highlights are, you know, imagine in the presentations that each team then has to make in front of the others. Hey, we've researched this particular aspect about these and these images here. They say certain things. And then, of course, others can interject or ask questions. And then sometimes students raise their hands and say like, yeah, but you have done that kind of analysis. If I now go back to what, you know, Thinker I had been saying about that particular method, isn't that problematic what you have done? So they talk about methods mm. in an undergraduate class. That's amazing. Others, they come away with this to having gotten, and they say this explicitly quite often, first time they've tasted what, what doing research might actually feel like. Mm. I've never done that, Mm. you know, in the way that we would do research. And so we talk about also with each team of like, how do you then go about, now that you are sitting on this table, you've got this topic, what's the best way of going about doing this? And of course they have no idea. Some do it intuitively well, others we kind of have to help along. So I think getting a bit of a taste about that and how hard it is sometimes to make claims Mm. that we're so quick to do when we see certain things, Mm. probably the two highlights for me. Do you think...
1: In the spirit of what we try and do in this podcast, I know that when you do these things, as you say, you're a perfectionist and you apply a huge amount of time, energy and effort into all your teaching. Is there a conflict image light type of process? In the sense that you could see someone listening say, hey, I'm going to give a two mark assessment or exercise for bringing in these images and having a bit of a, a discussion which is facilitated. So it could almost be something which is done in a in a lighter, perhaps more easier manner to do. Is that something you
0: could see happening? <laughs> I think that the, out of all the media labs, the one on the, the images is probably the easiest one to organize. In mm-hmm. many ways, there are others that are more complex. I mean, this is easy from a teacher's point of view because all we do is in the lab itself, you know, what you do is you you allocate those newspapers, you make the Padlet link available, and then you just help them generate their own research questions and so they do it and they present, mm. right? That's very easy. We've got others where it's like we do five minutes here, then we do a small exercise individually, then 10 minutes a group reads something, another 20 minutes another group has to go to that workstation and it's really like a football team going through a practice section, mm-hmm. session kind of way. They're all very different so I think the, the key thing perhaps in answer to your question is to think of like how you can use the space to make students collaborate on topics that that they have learned about but that interest them and you are just the facilitator. So let them generate what what questions they would like to ask and like to answer. I think that's the kind of recipe that I've been doing in there. The reason why I like this
1: example is because initially the investment cost for the student is quite small. It's not a challenging thing to get an image, to think about it, and then relate it to a lecture. And that's something that I really appreciate. And it's that, it's that effort to minimize the investment and the cost for the student, but then take that small investment on their behalf and really turn it into something big, which I really like. Is that something that you consciously try and do, make it simple
0: for the student? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Like sometimes the little practical tasks they have to do takes them five minutes I still give them points. There's others that are a bit more onerous, so I think it kind of becomes even across those. But maybe as a final example here, in the very first week they have to do a course entry survey on Blackboard, gets them two points. But it's seventy questions. Mostly are like multiple choice. It asks them, it checks them about their prior knowledge, about media, information technology, the world, but also about their own consumer practices, habits. All, how they relate to media, what their belief systems are, and so on. And they're kind of like, why do we have to do all these? And of course, they do it because it gets them two points. It doesn't take them too long, maybe like 20 minutes. And then when we meet in the very first Media Lab, we make all the answers in an anonymized way available to them. And we say, okay, go through this. And we have now opened the course and think about what it is that stands out for you in terms of the aggregate answers as a course. Does that surprise you? Does that confirm certain elements? What does it tell us about you as a cohort? So we kind of, it's an easy way in, very low investment that students need to do. But what it gives us also is that in subsequent weeks, we actually poll them again on certain topics. Mm. and then compare them to what they have polled earlier on this very same topic Mm. and see how positions and attitudes and so on have changed. So it kind of, you can reap on some of those later on. So this is the reason why we have this podcast. I get to listen to you,
1: and as as you talk, I immediately have three or four ideas that I'm going to steal because I've been trying to get students to listen to my recordings, do tasks, and then workshop them in lectures for a long time and I've never given two-mark handouts for it, and the buy-in's always variable. So just like the conversation with our sandwiches and coffee, I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal these two-mark allocations, and I'm going to try them out in my third-year course. And this is the whole reason that we have our podcast, isn't it? Stealing Mm -hmm. these little examples from great teachers and trying things out and experimenting. If you've liked what you've heard today and you'd like to engage further. And certainly if you want to try and experiment anything that you hear in our podcast, we'd love to hear from you via our social media. Thanks for joining us in Higher Ed Heroes, and we look forward to your company again.